new school year, but make it affordable. With Target, you can get everything you need for back to school without wasting time, money, or style. Deck out your room with colorful $5 bins, aesthetically pleasing $20 coffee makers, and cozy sheet sets for $9.50, and all the tech you need to succeed. Then get to planning those back-to-school looks with $5 wild fable tops and new parachute pants. Yeah, those are back now, too. Here's to a great school year. Shop back to college at Target. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. Today on The Deal Board, we have an exciting episode where we're talking about why now is the time to buy a business. Yes, now, in the middle of pandemic, in the middle of COVID and all this uncertainty, now is still a great time to buy a business. It is. I mean, listen, it, you, there's plenty of reasons why to be an entrepreneur, especially during a pandemic uh, we talk about we talked about it, I think, in an earlier uh, podcast about the fact that how many billionaires were made in 2009 and 2010. So there are plenty of opportunities out there. And I don't know about you. And we've been talking to our franchisees across the country. We're seeing very, very solid, established businesses coming to the marketplace. And I think it's, you know, the baby boomers are just now really tired. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this too, Andy, when, when the pandemic first hit, it's like, we, we talked about this overlay of the seller tsunami or the baby boomer, baby boomer retirement effect that had been going on for a number of years. And you, when you lay over this pandemic and really another recession, we had said they could just get tired, like enough's enough, go through the dot-com bust and 9-11 and 08, 09. And we are seeing that now where you're having some really solid businesses coming to market. So there's some great opportunities that haven't been available in the past. But on the same side, we've also seen a lot of buyers coming to the market and it's, it's created a really active and dynamic marketplace for business sales. Yeah, I- it, you would think it would be a buyer's market right now, and it's not. I mean, we have to warn the buyers, and people are calling me saying, I want a good deal, and I want recurring revenues, and I want this and that. And I keep looking at them and saying, yeah, of course you do. You know, everybody does. And I think that's a factor of a few things. Number one, I think there was a ton of money on the sidelines before we started this, right? Mm-hmm. There's definitely then, a lot of money. And a lot of people searching and not finding what they wanted, right? Right. And then secondly... There's a ton of unemployed people, a lot of middle managers, a lot of people who are 40, 50, 60 years old who got downsized. I mean, you know, because when they made cuts, they looked at making the most significant cuts they could. And that's usually middle management. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was talking to a buyer the other day and they, they were looking for same thing, recurring revenue, established business, more than 10 years old. We call these like typical buyer requests in our office and EBITDA values between a half a million and 2 million. He's like, that market's probably not that competitive. I'm like, no, that's, that's like the most competitive market. Cause when you look at these, um, individual buyers that are retired or laid off from corporate, they still worked for corporate for a good chunk of their career, 10, 20 years. And they have a solid nest egg built up that they can invest in these businesses. So it it really creates a lot of people searching for similar things. I mean, there are some deals, right? If you wanted to buy a restaurant right now, you probably could get a really good deal in a buyer's market, right? But some of the the major requests that we get and some of these really established baby boomer businesses, it's still very competitive as a buyer to get it, but still a great time because I am seeing a little bit more concessions when it comes to including seller financing or earnouts. And I'm not sure if you guys are seeing that the same in Florida. We are seeing that. And I'm, I think we're seeing that across the board. I got a lot of calls from our franchisees, uh, just bouncing ideas off each other about how to structure certain deals. I, I Somebody emailed me the other day and said, can somebody lease a business for a while while they put together the uh, the money? And I said, no. <laughs> you oh, know, no. There's that's no just lease a lot own. of risk to the seller. <laughs> but it just shows you that I think what's happening out there is people are taking and look at their lives and they're just reassessing. And they're just saying, listen, uh, on the buy side, I want to get out of what I'm doing and I want to control my future moving forward. On the sell side, people are looking at this saying, I'm done. I have enough money in the bank. I want to go live wherever in the mountains of Colorado, in the, uh, in, in the valleys of Tennessee or Virginia. I mean, people are looking to kind of get away from it all. And so we're seeing great opportunities and, you know, shout out to young people mm-hmm. out there that this is your time. I mean, yeah. you know, those those uh, Gen Xers or Gen Zs or whatever you want to call them, millennials, <laughs> it's your time. This is it. You could jump in. I mean, you did it at, in, at, at an early age. I did it as at an early age. And I'm telling all those 28 to 40-year-olds that this is your time. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunities for the millennial generation to add value, especially in that baby boomer generation businesses. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, technology that can be applied where the millennial generation is really good at that. The baby boomer generation built up a great business, great reputation, systems, team, and to be able to add some value from the more technology and more innovative side that the millennial generation bring, it's pretty phenomenal. Some good opportunities. But we also have some great interviews today too to illustrate to you, and this is kind of in our theme of bringing buyers and sellers to the show so you can hear it from them about their experience. I interview um, Leo Sharkey. He's from the Massachusetts area. He recently like just closed on an HVAC company like last month. So he talks us through his thought process of why it was still a good time now to buy a business for him. And he also talks to us about how did he mitigate the risk in the future of a COVID spike or something affecting the business in the long run? And how did he structure that into the deal? Yes. And I talked to Militello's Bakery about the, their sale of their big where uh, uh, industrial size bakery. Uh, and John Mina was the buyer and he's still doing great. We're talking to him, but uh, you know, John Militello is still hanging around. He's still uh, working in the business and they're doing much better during the uh, COVID crisis, actually a very large commercial bakery 
uh, decided to go out of business. So they picked up all that work. Yes, the restaurant business is down, but there's plenty of people still buying a lot of bread out there in the world. And of course, we talked to none other than Michael Shea, uh, the guru of social media out there in the world. But you know, he just goes through why this is a good time. And it's a great interview. It's always great to hear from Michael. Yeah. Well, let's get to it. And if you guys have any comments or any questions for us, we've gotten more and more uh, requests through the website of people to be on the show or topics to cover. Please continue to reach out to us at thedealboardpodcast.com. But we'll jump into it and hope you enjoy today's show. Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back, everybody, to The Deal Board. Thank you so much for joining us again. And as you know, we're going through a series where we're interviewing buyers and sellers of businesses and learning about their stories and learning through the lessons they've learned. So I'm very excited to have Leo Sharkey join us today. He's a recent buyer of an HVAC company. Leo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. So, Leo, let's just start with your background. Like, uh, what is your background in business and, and how did you become a buyer of a business and now the owner of your new HVAC company? Well, I've been a plant manager and a business manager for several different companies uh, throughout my, my long career. And uh, most, recently, most recently, I was working for the Small Business Development Center uh, at Clark, uh, which, if you don't know, it's a government-funded program, and it's a great resource for, for people looking for help. But uh, I spent a couple of years there, and I learned even more uh, things that I didn't know I didn't know uh, about businesses and small businesses and things like that. So I got super interested. Um, and I've kind of always wanted to have my own business, and uh, I recently had the opportunity to you know, go out and start looking. So... That's what I did. Uh, last August, I started looking around and, uh, you know, here we are. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that journey since last August. You know, how many businesses did you look at? Did you buy the first one you found that was a fit? What was that journey like for you? Uh, the first business I found uh, was a paper company. Um, the company sold very high-end imported papers, uh, mostly for invitations. Uh, wedding invitations and corporate invitations. Um, so it was interesting. It was uh, not exactly my field. I'm more of an operations guy. This is more of a marketing company, but I figured I could probably learn it or at least get some help. Uh, had good cash flow. The multiple was fair, um, but during due diligence and the very long extracted negotiations, a bunch of things that came up with that were kind of flags and um to be perfectly honest, I got a little bit of a, uh, like a tunnel view syndrome where I was like, I'm going to close this business mm-hmm. no matter what. And I ignored a couple of things that bothered me. Um, but the process took a long time for a whole bunch of reasons that aren't worth getting into. Um, and the deal finally fell apart uh, the first couple of days of March of this year, mm. um, where it, we, we got to the point where the timeline had been extended 
and I was unwilling to put $60,000 up as non-refundable deposits. Mm-hmm. So deal fell apart. I got my money back. Less than 10 days later, the COVID shutdown hit, and um, I luckily don't own a company that sells paper for invitations anymore. Yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot of um, events for invitations right now, (laughs) right? Yeah. No, I am reasonably sure that if I weren't bankrupt, uh, I would be in a hospital from the stress of trying to make the payroll, the loan payments and everything else. Uh, so I'm really glad I didn't get that company. Yeah. It's one of those uh, lessons of, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason and maybe the timeline was getting drunk out for your benefit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. My mother is, uh, is, fairly religious and was sort of yelling at St. Anthony about why I didn't get the business. But then when everything fell apart, she was like, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, so that's actually a a good transition. So, you know, you get a different opportunity. So let's talk about the company you did buy. Um, Let's talk about first why it was attractive to you. And then what did you learn through navigating the deal? Was there any special scenarios that you had, especially with the COVID pandemic and um, PPP loans and all that kind of stuff. But, so I just asked you a lot of questions in one. So let's just start about, you know, what what was it about this company you ended up buying that was made it very attractive to you? Yeah. So um, after the paper company, which is, it's mostly a, um, a non-repeat business uh, mm-hmm. customer. They, they sell a lot directly to DIY. And so I was looking for something with recurring revenue. So I don't have to go out and, you know, acquire a new customer, sell them something once and then start the process over again. So recurring revenue was important to me. Um, and, uh, I've got a, a mechanical engineering degree mm-hmm. and, you know, like I said, I've been a plant manager, so I'm aware of, building controls and things like that at a facility level. And so uh, HVAC seemed interesting to me in, you know, my daily search on uh, biz buy sell. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, you know, I saw it, I was like, Oh, recurring revenue is good. You've got installation, you've got service, you've got PMs, you know, it kind of fits the model. Uh, and then in particular, the business was very interesting because uh, it was a little bit undervalued Um because the owner raised prices at the end of 2018, nearly doubled his um, SDE, but Mm. didn't have the track record uh, to get the full multiple. And so it was a little undervalued and, you know, a little risky because you don't know if he's going to eventually lose customers, something like that. But, um, and then we started originally talking in, I think it was April. So COVID was, really just hitting. He'd laid off a couple of guys. Nobody knew where things were going. Um, and so this is sort of a follow-up to your second part is, mm-hmm. you know, what came out of that, which was some really interesting aspects to the deal. Like there's a fairly large seller note. Um, mm-hmm. And part of the seller note is contingent upon my first 12 month revenue uh, meeting his 2019 revenue numbers. And mm-hmm. basically, if I'm within 5%, um, we, uh, I, I pay him the entire loan amount. And if it's less, I get a discount, uh, which is pretty substantial on a per dollar basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, that was, 
Yeah. And it's a great way to solve the uncertainty in the world right now. Right. Because yeah. I mean, back in March and April, we were talking in the deal board. We we're like, you know, if this is a two, three month thing and businesses come out like a big V, then we'll recast the numbers and, and we'll all stabilize the revenue. But now we're in like what month, six, seven, eight, I've lost count at this point. Um, yeah. and, and I don't think we're going to see that sharp V coming out of it. So we're seeing a lot of savvy buyers like yourself, solving that risk issue with something like an adjustable seller note. So very right. smart in this world. Yeah. yeah, It, it really worked out well. Um, and the seller was very happy to do it because by the time we got to that point in the, the negotiation, he knew that his revenue was up 20% this year because everyone is doing something to their home because, yeah. you know, their home and it's, you know, 84 degrees in the house. And when it used to be, um, you know, you leave the house and the cat is home and it's 84 degrees. And nobody's <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. But now that everybody's home with the kids, they're like, it's too hot. I got to have air conditioning. Um, yep. You know, so that, that was really good. So that, that was a really interesting aspect of the deal. Um, what else was sort of non-standard? Um, I, I guess the, the one thing that was interesting from my perspective after the close was, um, we were told there were there was no AP, no AR, and no WIP, mm-hmm. uh, and that that question got asked a dozen times, um, and it turns out there actually was AR, AP, and WIP. Mm-hmm. So part of part of the transition is me transitioning in, but it's also the old owner transitioning out, right? I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get along well, we're working it out. It's all fine. It's just, you know, it was an interesting aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. And for those listeners, AR is accounts receivable, AP is accounts pay, payable and work in progress is WIP. You see that in some industries more than others, but it is, you know, and I think to your point too, Leo, is I think one thing I've learned in this business is, is you think, you know, everything going into a deal, but you never have the whole story. Right. So there's yeah. always going to be those little things you solve. And that's why there's a transition period. Right. So, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Exactly right. So let's talk a little bit more about what you learned through this whole process of buying a business. So a lot of our listeners, um, most of our listeners are thinking about buying a business. We have some sellers too on the show, but what words of advice would you give people about what you learned through the process that are thinking about purchasing a business? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I think, um, the, the most important thing that I learned was um, it's going to be far more complicated than you anticipated, no matter how much due diligence you have to take. And there is some level of risk that you have to be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I'm relatively uh, comfortable with a high level of risk. Um, when I was at SBDC, I had a client who had looked at more than 200 companies, what he did was he was so, my interpretation is he's so risk adverse that in order to get the, the risk level down to our, uh, to somewhere where he felt comfortable, he would undervalue the business so much that he couldn't actually get a deal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with that said, the advice that comes from that is um, figure out what level of risk you're comfortable with and, um, you know, if it's going to get in the way of getting a deal, maybe you really won't buy a business, uh, but you have to be somewhat comfortable at some point. That's great advice. And we, we see that a lot. And cause you're right, there is some risk 
No deal is going to be perfect. And you're going to find something out after the fact that, you know, you weren't quite aware of beforehand. And that's just, it's small businesses. There's so many moving pieces. It's, it's just hard to get a grasp on everything. Um, everything, most of the stuff you can. Yeah. Um, well, it's a great learning lesson, Leo. And I'm, I'm so excited for you and your new business. I want to give you an opportunity to tell us about the business, um, tell people what you guys do, where you service, and if they're interested in working with you, how they can get in contact with you as well. Great. Yeah. So it's uh, Jay Moody HVAC company has been in business since uh, sometime in the 60s. Um, apparently, Jay is still around. Um, I'm the third owner. Um, you can reach us at jmoodyhvac.com. Uh, we generally serve um, Lemonster, down to Worcester, out to Gardner, Bolton, beyond Bolton, um, sort of Westboro area, you know, sort of that north central region. Uh, we'll, we'll travel about an hour. Um, my understanding is we are the largest uh, Mitsubishi mini split dealer in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. We do more volume than anybody else. And, uh, you know, we've, we do the gamut. We'll do mini splits, oil fired furnaces, gas fired furnaces, duct work, new construction, apartments, you name it, we'll do it. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, come find us at jmoodyhvac.com. Great. And we'll drop that into the show notes too. So if anybody in the, those areas in Massachusetts that want to do work with Leo and his company, you can reach out directly to them. Leo, thank you so much for joining us on the deal board today, sharing your story and also your expertise. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that found the information you provided today valuable and helpful in their journey. Oh, you're welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back, everybody. On the deal board today, we have Gary Goldwasser with us. He's a senior broker at the Transworld office in Rocky Mountain, which is Denver, Colorado. He's been on the show before, but Gary, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah. So today you're sharing a deal of the week with us in the landscaping industry. So I'll let you tell us a little bit about the business first. Yeah, so this is a large uh, landscape slash nursery um, in the Denver metro area. It was doing about, uh, before COVID, it was did last year, it was doing about $8.9 million in revenue. Um, very large company, well-known, kind of in the south part of the Denver metro area. Yeah, so how did you um, become engaged with them? Yeah, so interesting enough, uh, I had just moved and I was looking for landscapers. And at the time, this is kind of a crazy story, but at the time, um, he came over and was looking at my yard and getting putting the bid together. And I was on the phone with a uh, another uh, potential buyer to sell another landscape company. And one thing led to another. He overheard my conversation. One thing led to another. And the next thing you know, he's like, I'd like to sell my business someday. Can we talk about that at some point? And that's how it all started. Yeah, I love the story. It's it's all about this industry. It's all about relationships and connections, which actually kind of segues us nicely into who, who ended up buying the business from you? Well, um, it is about building relationships, and uh, I really pride myself on um, really digging into getting to know buyers and have a hot buyer list of buyers that, that I work with from time to time. This particular buyer, I've sold um, three businesses uh, to so far, and um, just always have him kind of in my back pocket. And one of the 
you know, the great things about Transworld is our ability to have these buyers. And um, so I, I knew that he liked the landscape industry. And uh, so he was my first call and um, he was all excited about taking a tour and he was ready to do an offer back in the spring, but because mm -hmm. of, it's hard to sell a landscape business in the spring because that's when they're busy. We had to wait mm -hmm. till the season slowed down. Okay. Well, that's good. So how did the deal come together? How did you guys structure it? Did you use any types of financing or anything like that? So um, he the buyer raised all the capital. Um, it's kind of a more of a private uh, equity firm. So they raised all the capital and um, there was three parts of it. So there's where it was money up front, a good, a good chunk of money up front. Um, the buyer, uh, the seller decided to keep eight, 20% equity in the business, which was really a nice feature that the sellers were, the sellers liked it because that gave them skin in the game, but the, the buyers are going to plan on taking this thing from, you know, eight and a half million to 20 to 25 million. So they'll get incremental, um, dividends along the way up. And then they have the, they have the option to sell at any time, both sides. So that was kind of after 12 months, each, each, the buyer and the seller have the ability to, to buy each other out. Mm -hmm. And then we had, because of COVID, it was going to be just a seller note for, uh, about 10% of the business. But because of COVID, it was hard to, this business grew so much in this last year mm -hmm. that the buyers needed a little protection. No, it wasn't just a COVID fluke. And so we turned that seller note into a seller earnout. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're lower numbers to hit, which I think the seller is going to hit. And um, the seller understood. He said, look, I, most, most landscape businesses grew about 25 to 30%. They grew, you know, almost 60%. Wow. So, wow. Well, we've seen that a lot in COVID to solve on both sides, like fast growing companies and companies not doing well is that earnout component really reduces the buyer risk. So it's, yeah, it's, it could be a risk for a seller, but it's all about structuring the right deal, which it sounds like you did for, for this seller. Um, so let's talk a little bit about numbers. Um, how much was the SDE or EBITDA in the business and what was the uh, total deal value at the end? So the SDE was about $5 million. And the total deal value actually went, if, if they hit all the bogeys, the, the, they get their earn out and their 20%, it was about $18.3 million was the whole transaction. Wow. Well, good day for the sellers. Good day for the buyers. It sounds like it sounds like they acquired a really great company um, and a good day for you, Gary, too. We always love having you on the show and hearing your stories. You're such a, a great broker and really focused on that relationship. If someone wants to contact you to work with you in the future, how can they reach you? Uh, thank you. Yeah, they can reach me at Gary at tworlddenver.com or at 303-748-7420. Awesome. And we'll drop that into the show notes as well for all you listeners. Gary, thank you so much for having, uh, for coming back on the show. We look forward to having you soon. Always good, Jessica. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a special guest. And we always love talking to entrepreneurs about their stories of how they got into business and then how they eventually bought a business from us. And we do have a great story today. We have Dave Mena 
uh, from Militello's Italian Bakery, which he uh, purchased in the last year or so. I'll let him tell the story. Uh, but David, welcome to the show and give us a little bit of background of how you got into business. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. Um, so yeah, my background uh, previously to the bakery was in, in retail. I actually pioneered some, some sauces, some uh, Argentinian products under the brand Gaucho Ranch and was successful at getting those products on the shelf and, and uh, a lot of the supermarkets throughout the country. Um, uh, so, um, a couple of years ago, I was ready for something new, so I, I, I left that company, and, and uh, with the proceeds of, of the sale of that company, I started looking for something, and then this this, this opportunity with Militello's Bakery presented itself, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful company. It's been in existence for over 10 years, a family operation, and uh, what I love about it is it's uh, the, act, the exact opposite of what I was doing before. This is strictly wholesale, so we're... we're um, Vendors to universities, hospitals, uh, hotels, and restaurants. Uh, so it's it's completely different. We're we're selling uh, to to. It's not a brand that's in retail. You know, it's it's a different type of operation. But it's a it's a very successful company, and it has a ton of uh, opportunity for growth. Yeah. So buying a business is a little bit different than starting one from scratch. And you started the Gaucho Ranch uh, products from scratch. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was uh, grassroots uh, marketing from the ground up. Uh, luckily, being located in South Florida, where there was a lot of uh, independent retailers, you know, there's obviously you've got the Publixes and Winn-Dixie's and Whole Foods and people like that. But there's also uh, dozens of independent um, supermarkets and gourmet markets that you can literally, you know, walk into and just kind of uh, pitch your wares, you know. So if you're lucky and if you have something that they're interested in. Uh, you can take it and kind of cut your teeth that way and, and have a story to tell to the bigger uh, retailers. And that's that's exactly what we did. I mean, in the beginning, we're, we were literally doing farmer's markets and things like that. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> the good thing about Gaucho Ranch that helped us was the, the uniqueness of the product. There was simply no competition. And to this day, there still isn't a viable competitor in the, in the chimichurri space, at least. We are typically the only chimichurri sauce in, in, in the, on the shelves for any given supermarket. So that really helped. And then it also helped that we had a quality product. We had really good branding. We came out with four different flavors as opposed to just one or two to kind of make it more difficult to, for somebody to really effectively compete against us and, and distinguish themselves. We try to cover kind of all the flavor profile bases that we could to make it hard to compete against us. And I think that strategy really, really worked in a lot of the retailers, for example, Whole Foods or the Fresh Market, they carry all four flavors as opposed to just one. So it gives you good presence on the shelf. It gives you, it gives the consumer choice and they use it for different culinary purposes, you know, whereas, you know, somebody might consider chimichurri just for steak. Uh, we had a Caribbean one that had cilantro and mint in it, for example, that people use more for, for white meats like chicken or even salmon or something like that. So right. it's, it's a really uh, great product that, um, as I said, even after my exit, it, it continues to do tremendously well. Right. So you, you start a business, you had a partner and, uh, you know, and you just kind of ran the course with that and you felt like you wanted to do your own thing. And so give me the thought of, Hey, Oh, you didn't want to start a business from scratch again. Right. Exactly. I really was looking for something that was, that was already established that you could kind of uh, take and, and run with. And the whole process was actually really enjoyable. It was it was kind of daunting, but it was really enjoyable. I, I, I had looked uh, at a couple of other companies to the point of actually 
you know, reviewing their financials and things like that. And that whole process really is something that uh, I found fascinating. But when I got to Militello, it was, it was, it was a no brainer. I mean, you're, you're talking about a company that, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's clientele is just a who's who, uh, from South Florida all the way up to Orlando. We're talking about, uh, the casinos in the area. We're talking about the stadiums, the convention centers, most of the, uh, most of the major hospital chains. I mean, like I said, a who's who of, of, of accounts. So when I saw that, uh, coupled with this, its history, its uh, variety of products, we make virtually hundreds of different types of, of products here, whether it's breads or sweets, you know, cakes and pastries and things like that. It just, um, it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible business. It really is. And, and, and it has the potential to, to really be much larger than it is now. So yeah, that process of, of actually selecting the company and delving into it and looking at its strengths and weaknesses was, uh, like I said, it was, it was an enjoyable process all the way to the fruition and the signing of the contract. Yeah. So, and you had a great broker to work with. Tom Milano knows the business well. He's been doing this for a long time. Obviously, uh, we're happy to have you here at Transworld as a customer, and uh, we were happy to do that deal. But um, if if someone was going to buy a business, and it was so funny, I just got off the phone with a new buyer uh, not five minutes ago, and you know, starting from scratch, and I tried to give them some advice uh, here and there about how best to. Um, you know, approach the marketplace. And you said at one point you said it was daunting and one point it's enjoyable, uh, enjoyable. So why don't you just talk about that a little bit about it? You know, how, what, what advice would you give or what did you find daunting about it? Well, you know, as an entrepreneur, you typically, most entrepreneurs I'd say are, are multifaceted people. You know, you, you have to be good at several things if you're going to be successful in my, in my personal opinion, <laughs> that's um, a great especially opinion. if you're starting something. Yeah. That's a great okay. opinion. That's a great opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially if you're starting something from scratch. I mean, my previous company, I was literally the, 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 the marketing, the sales, the production, the, 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 even the mechanic. And I mean that literally, you know, for the equipment that we, that we use. So yeah, you have to wear a lot of hats. Um, and when, uh, when looking at a company to, to actually acquire, um, it gets, as you can imagine in the weeds, as far as the financials are concerned, um, I actually leaned on a, um, a forensic, uh, CPA, uh, as well as, um, Tom Milano, a great broker. Uh, he was crucial in, in the whole process. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I built kind of a little team, um, to, to, uh, to help me because it, it is something that, um, it's easy to miss something, uh, or it's, it's, if it's a new industry, for example, there's, there's things that you might not even be aware of. So you really want to just make sure that it's definitely not something that you want to get into lightly. You really have to do your homework. And if possible, if, you know, if you if you have the means, uh, to, to build, like I said, build a team that gives you a, a complete look at what you're doing and what the actual situation with the company is. Yeah, well, I tell that to people all the time. You absolutely need a team. You have to have a CPA when you buy a business. You have to have a good attorney to buy a business. And they should know what they're doing in the in the space. So it sounds like you had a good team as well uh, to do it. And so let's talk, real quick talk about the transition. Did you find it easy? Uh, did, did, you know, was the... It, it, well, this this company uh, Militello's actually has. I went I went from having twelve employees to almost forty. So that that aspect was was like I said, it was it was a daunting experience to come in here. I went from ten thousand square feet facility to a thirty thousand square feet facility. So everything about it was just you know bigger, 
uh, more complex. Um, you know, there's a lot. We have our own uh, logistics, for example. We have trucks on the road. So there's a lot of new challenges. But um, it, I think if you pick an industry that you enjoy, and, you know, I was fortunate to say, okay, this is kind of my, my, my second act here. Uh, professionally, and, and you choose something that you enjoy, and if you select well, I think that it's it's an enjoyable process, however challenging it, it can be, and it is challenging. You know, like like any like any venture, long hours, weekends, nights, et cetera, et cetera. But um, but it's 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 been incredibly enjoyable and, and satisfying, to be quite honest. Yes, and it's uh you know it's it is rewarding, uh, but it is hard work and. Uh, it, it is good to buy a business. I mean, you know, I have started businesses just like you uh, from scratch and I've bought a few and uh, it, it is a lot easier to buy them, but it is a complicated process and you need a good team. So uh, that's all great. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on today. If somebody wanted to get in touch with uh, Militellos and uh, buy some product uh, here in uh, South Florida, or I don't even know how far you, uh, you work. We go all the way up to Orlando. So if if you're a hotel or a hospital or university that that you know whether it's pastries for your breakfast buffet or or uh, burger buns for your menu, is something that we can help you out with. You can find us online by by just quickly googling us. We're on social media, and um, it's uh, it's very easy to work with us. That's great, great, David. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Great story. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we are talking Listing of the Week. And we have uh, an international uh, business. uh, And it is, uh, we are talking to Michael Ziff of Transworld Business Advisors of the UK and London. Michael, welcome back. And uh, you have a good jewelry business you want to talk about. Yeah, so... Uh, This is a business with uh, six shops uh, on the south coast of England. Um, It's been established since 1982. Um, The owner has developed the business with three interesting themes. They um, have a great reputation in second-hand jewellery. The second thing that they have is repairs, which most of the jewellery chains don't have in both the United Kingdom and the States. And the third area is bullion dealing. Right. Um, And therefore it gives um, a great opportunity for international buyers to buy into this type of business. Um, uh, He's been uh, looking to sell it and he's actually said to me that he's had more international interest in it uh, when he was looking at doing it himself uh, but decided he wanted to bring professional help in. Okay, so, uh, and how much is he asking for the business? So he's asking for the business uh, 2.8 million pounds. Um, he wants 1.5 million up front, and he'll do the rest on deferred consideration. Great. And, and, and like you said, it's a good uh, opportunity for someone who wants to immigrate? Yeah. And they can get uh, British citizenship based on their investment into this business based on the inward investment rules uh, into the United Kingdom. Right. So, and, uh, and they have, uh, they have a lot of stock. There's uh, 2.5 million pounds of stock at yeah. cost in yeah. the business. Yeah. That's always with jewelry stores. Uh, they have a lot of inventory uh, stock. So 
this sounds like a great deal. Michael, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? So best two numbers are um, mzif at tworlduk.com or my mobile number, which is 0044-7712-867-215. Great. Great deal. Uh, get it while it's hot. Thanks, Michael. Hey, we're back and we have a special returning guest of, of course, Michael Shea from Transworld Business Advisors of Central Florida. And today we're talking about, you know, kind of what's going to happen post this COVID crisis. And we're already starting to see some people and businesses looking to tape opportunity. And we've seen this before. And so, Michael, you, you think that in the service business, this is a huge opportunity for people, right? Yeah, I, I, I do. And, you know, it goes back to you and I were here during the recession and um, we were still closing deals, uh, a large number of transactions in the service sector. We closed a bunch of stuff in lawn care and we closed a bunch of stuff in pool care. And I think when we did our lawn care uh, podcast, I talked about how my partner and I did a roll-up strategy similar similar to what you see in, with private equity companies where we were buying small little um, service companies, specifically lawn care, and routing them together and getting efficiencies out of them and scaling the cash flows that way. Um, and I think that's going to happen again. I'm already starting to get phone calls from people who have been laid off or middle managers were tired of the I don't know, the uncertainty of working for companies, that seems like such an odd thing to say, but are looking at how do I, you know, take control of my own destiny and noticing that, oddly enough, it's the trades and the service businesses that are still deemed to be vital and are out there operating while, you know, some of the other more sophisticated companies aren't. Yeah, well, people still getting their pools cleaned and certainly people want their lawns cut and the, the grass is not going to stop the grow, stop growing. So, and we're coming up on summer, so, you know, the grass grows even faster, uh, and that's all over the country. So there's opportunity for, and we've seen this before, right? A bunch of people get laid off, and either they might even get hot, offered the higher backs, but some people choose not to go back, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, you think about me and you, we're in our 50s, we're, we're young enough to still have a good tail on our careers, and old enough to have been through, this would be, if this turns into a recession, you know, it would be our third. And um, it seems to be every 10 to 12, 15 years, this kind of disruption occurs. And, um, you know, you kind of get tired of having your life put on hold and reset by things that aren't within your control. Um, I, I, mean, I literally Friday was just talking to a former veteran like myself, same age group, um, who lost his job a couple months prior to the recession to the reorg. And, uh, you know, he's asking me for advice. And I'm going, you need to look at the trades and you need to look at uh, the service sector and, and, and realize, A, the margins and the opportunity that lies within there, and B, what skills you bring to those businesses. They may be unsophisticated, but oftentimes the skills of the corporate sector can be brought to bear um, to bring a whole lot more efficiency and better margin to uh, you know, the service sector. Like when I did the lawn thing, to me, it was a logistics business. And I figured out that 
the more efficient and the more dense the routes could become, the more profitable it would be. And it seemed intuitive, but people within the industry looked at it differently because they grew up um, in the business from you know zero to a certain level, and you operate at a different level when it's not at scale. So as we scaled it, we saw there were some opportunities. And I think that's going to happen once these uh, middle managers and, you know, quote, pre-baby boomers, you know, take a look at where they are today. Right. The opportunity that lays out there. So what's the first step for them? What, what would you advise them to do at this point? Um, you know, it's interesting. That, that ride along I did Friday with that gentleman we were out doing the showing, I said, you got to get educated. And, and we gave them the eBooks. We directed them to this podcast. I said, you know, start listening and learning. Suspend what you think you know from your MBA. In this case, this guy has two. Um, and I said, you need to get streetwise and understand how things operate at a tactical level. Um, you know, how things really get done at the street is not how things get done on Wall Street. Um, and not, just, not that one is right or wrong, is that you have to be super practical in times like this. And I said, the first step is to get educated. Um, and that's often easier said than done. because There's just so much information out there. But, you know, in this case, he happens to know me. We've known each other for years. And there's some level of trust, you know, being a trusted, a known quantity and a trusted advisor with a history of performance. I'm just going, look, here's all the data. Digest it and then let's talk about it. So if we get people educated and then start having dialogue about the opportunities that they're seeing, they start asking the right questions. You know, and sometimes the wrong questions, we can kind of, you know, get their head straight and they can dial in on what's important to them. Yeah. Um, this guy, yeah, this guy was interesting. He, he's a pilot. He's a trained naval, uh, naval aviator. And he kept gravitating towards really high-tech stuff. And I kept looking at his balance sheet going, you need to back off because of the, how the cash flows. And, and said, so look at the mechanics of the numbers and what your needs are in terms of how much money you need to make or want to make. And then let's kind of, you know, reset. So it's easy to go down that rabbit hole of what you, you know, what sounds sexy, right? Right. Um, in times like this, things get real practical real fast. And I, I think money's practical. So, you know, I tend not to be too grandiose in how I portray these opportunities. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely winners going on right now. There's businesses that are continuing to, to go along very well, if not better than ever. Um, so there will be opportunities out there. And if you're, you know, kind of, just got laid off and you're sitting around and you don't have anything to do. Like Michael said, there's tons for you to do to get educated and talk to someone. I mean, you know, we, with Michael, you're a great resource, but we have people across the United States, across the world, ready to um, help them maybe take an entrepreneurial step and, you know, for their next life, because listen, everybody's going to wake up and say, Hey, listen, I got to live my life different. Even just going through this. Yeah. I mean, I think, Look, one of the things we pride ourselves here um, is that we like to inform and educate. And if we do that right, then it's a good deal and the people are happy and they repeat. Um, and, you know, as brokers, we get to see things other people don't get to see. It's not superficial. We know where the bodies are buried. Uh, we've seen good operations and bad operations. And sometimes with operating confidentiality, kind of point out the deltas between one way of running the business versus another. Uh, and as I was describing it to this guy, I go, look, after the fourth or fifth time you see a business, it doesn't matter. Things are kind of, kind of gel in terms of what you like and what you don't like and what facilitates and solves your problem economically. Um, now if you can't, at four or five, you're still lost. 
then you go back and reset an education again because you didn't you didn't learn, right? right? But I've always found like the fourth or fifth set of tires they kick, it it clicks into place and they go, okay, we're on it. And right. the faster you get into it, it's not like we're going to be asking the right contract immediately, but start having those conversations early. Yeah, and there's plenty of opportunities that will be coming. Uh, the phone is already starting to ring, as you said. So is there anything that you want to wrap this up with that you think is important to get out there right now? Yeah, I mean, it was funny. I was going through some some videos uh, from back in 2008 and 2009 that, that you had done and that I had done. And, you know, it's almost like you're prophetic, right? You kind of, your lessons from the last mistakes or the last uh, hiccup you know, they, they ring true today. You know, what's old is what's old, old wisdom is good wisdom. And, um, I think we have some things to share, like, you know, cash is king. Look at your cash flows. Look at your, look at your speed of payment. Um, you know, low overhead, having three, three months at least of reserves. Those are all things that we talked about back in eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw that. I saw that graphic. Yeah. And in this circumstance, you know, this isn't like it was in eight, right? There's the fundamentals of the economy are still solid. This is a, a you know, a biologic and there's, you know, a short window here we're going to live. But so three and four look really, really good, but it's going to clean out a whole lot of people really, really quickly. And the customers are going to remain, they're just going to shift, right? right? So if you've got a strong balance sheet, you're going to be in a great position to catch that. So, you know, just because businesses fold or crumble, or become an opportunity to acquire, it doesn't make them bad. Because oftentimes that's the bad owner, right? It's not right. the business that's bad, it's the owner that's bad. Yeah, we say that all the time. So if you, yeah, if you got that wisdom and you, and you can see what's good in a business, you can grab it, fix it, let the, let the sores and whatnot kind of slough off of the prior ownership and be in position when things kind of take that lift in the third and fourth quarter. Right. All right. Well, Michael, what's the best way to get in touch with you if someone wanted to talk more? Uh, email as always is Mike at tworld.com. The cell phone three two one two eight seven zero three four nine, and uh, you can catch me on any one of the social media platforms or visit my website www.tworld.com/michaelshed. Yes, we're going to have a very busy third and fourth quarter this year. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.